Desperately Seeking Entertainment, episode 11. So we're now in the the double digits, I guess, fully. But uh, I am one half of your extraordinary hosting team, Mr. Chris Peterson, founder, editor-in-chief of Onstage Blog. Joined with me, as always, is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people? What's going on? Are you ready tonight? It's a Monday night. We're recording early in the week, but we had so much content over the weekend. We're jacked up and ready to just go nuts about nerdy stuff it feels different doing it on a monday night i feel like it's like i don't know it's like it's delayed savings time almost almost it's like it feels weird but i like it i like it i know it, well, it's like the stuff hasn't really settled in it's still right. kind of fresh in my mind i mean there's just some big events going on i don't know craziness crazy, crazy. folks you're in for an interesting podcast because we're doing this a day early so uh we'll see what happens here but um Folks, typically now is the time I like to explain what this podcast is all about, but we're 11 episodes in, and if you have, if you don't know what this podcast is about yet, do me a favor, go back in time, go back and scroll down and look at some of our past episodes because we basically explain everything there. Ben and I are huge consumers of entertainment, and we're just going to be talking about things that basically happened in the past week that, that we want to talk about, but we don't know exactly what each other are going to say so yeah. it's going to be kind of live spontaneous um but it should be fun but if you want more details about how we do things here please listen to previous podcasts that's also a shameless plug to go listen yeah to go listen to our previous our stuff right <laughs> exactly. as we lock the door now you can't leave <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you're here that's it that's you're it. in you're done we got you in the vortex oh well, my gosh we'll talk about the past episodes chris people have been saying that our last couple have been awesome and we should keep it up and, you know, like we said last time, we should just keep this one really short. <laughs> yeah, no, under two hours. We'll try. We'll try. <laughs> I don't know. Man, you bring up some topics in there. I, I got to spout off about them. And this weekend I know. was just crammed full. Like, I I did my job this weekend. I'm just going to put that out there. I watched some content oh, man. this weekend. So I'm just putting that out. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. All right. Well, why don't you hit us? Why don't you lead us off, my man? Okay. Um, let's Let's start off with... Oh, man, there was a couple peaks in my weekend, but this one was awesome. Uh, on Showtime, there was a documentary on the Wu-Tang Clan called Of Mikes and Men, mm. the four-part series, and I watched all four parts in a row Saturday morning. Oh, really? <laughs> I binged the hell out of this thing. And let me just tell you, it was amazing. Even if you're not a Wu-Tang Clan fan, even if you're not a rap fan, this thing is amazing. I'm going to say this transcends all of that. And to me, this documentary, I know we talked like randomly, we talked about Wu-Tang Clan last week. Oh, because they, they did the block named after him in Staten Island. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. So this whole documentary just talks about creativity and, you know, persevering through like your life and your hardships and then just making your focus about something else. It was really cool. It was a really great documentary and how these guys came together. I don't know. Just excellent stuff. I highly recommend this documentary. Everyone's going to love it. There was so many great stories. There's so many great scenes like uh, Method Man. And I think it's uh, Method Man and you got they go to the Statue of Liberty because they used to work there when they were 14, 15. And they go there and they're like, I, I love working here. This was like my favorite job. And like 
they were like, there was this guy who used to work there with his son and they run into the guy and the guy still owns the restaurant and they remember Stop him it. and like name and like name drop him. They're like, Hey Rob, what's up? And it was like crazy and like hug him. He's like, you remember me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's method man. It's crazy. But, and then method man <laughs> goes around with like a freaking broom and a dustpan and cleans up the restaurants. It was surreal. It's crazy. And like, these guys are real. Like the, there's nothing about, you know how like sometimes you get these celebrities like, yeah, I grew up here and you know, my the hardships is real and the struggle is real. <laughs> like these guys are no joke. They really cleaned up shit at <laughs> Ellis Island. <laughs> these guys are no joke. And so, I mean, if you had any question that these guys are really from Staten Island, this clears it. And these guys are just, they're funny and they're introspective and there's lots of drama that you don't know about. And I'm not spoiling anything. That's just one little part. It's four and a half hours and it's just really great. Go check it out. Phenomenal. I'm actually halfway through the first episode. I did not know that all four were available at once. So now I'm going <laughs> to, that's going to take up my next day. So thanks oh. for that. Oh yeah. Um, That's awesome. I mean, I, I was like halfway through the first episode and it's all talking about how they grew up and the, the, you know, they show that the, with the project and the apartment complexes that they grew up in and stuff like that. And very rarely, you know, I work in New York. Um, right. Very rarely do you see that much pride in Staten Island. <laughs> like people yeah, saying totally. that like totally. I rep Staten Island. Um, so it was really refreshing to, to see that. And what's, what's hilarious is that I've passed by those apartment complexes, you know, driving and never, never knew like what they were about. Oh, and, Park Hill. Um, yeah. oh yeah. And uh, that's, that's awesome now. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely gonna check that out. You know, if you're a hip hop fan, like you said, it transcends hip hop, it's music, it's artistry, it's creativity, uh, writing. I mean, yeah. that's if it, you get, definitely it's must see TV. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they talk about just how, you know, they have all different kinds of fans from all different kinds of genres of medium and Jim Jeremush, the, director is on there talking about how it's it's poetry you know what i mean it's it's how he was attracted to the words and how they just kind of flowed and and you know it's it's really interesting and at the time it, it could have been really easy for wu-tang to kind of follow suit with gangster rap or something like that you know a, a, an art form that you know that i love but it glorifies violence and other things. But if you really listen to Wu-Tang, especially the first album, it's really talking about all the things that are bad about their lives. You know, the things that yeah. they had to live through. You know what I mean? It's it definitely, uh, Kid Bio is also simple then and, you know, cream and everything talk about those things. And it's just really interesting to hear them talk about like why they created all these songs. It's great. Great documentary. Was it, was it Ghostface Killer that talked about um, growing up with two siblings with muscular dystrophy? And yeah, yeah, that, like, was, that crazy. was like crazy stories, and uh, like how he had to take care of his his siblings because his mom was you know addicted to alcohol and drinking, drinking, and like, yeah, and and his dad was oh, gone, and just wow, crazy, like again, crazy. I loved it. And you're only halfway through the first one. There's, I'm only halfway through the first episode. <laughs> there's some more stuff that happens, and it's intense. Like I it's, thought it was a weekly thing. I thought like every week they're going to do a new episode. I didn't know all four were coming out at once, and I was like, that just changed my well, whole me world. either. I was sitting there on Saturday. I had to go out and I was like, all right, well, I don't have to go out till like one today. So uh, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> I just watched all of it. Not a bad way to spend the afternoon. Wow. No, That's incredible. Great. That's incredible. Well, actually, I one of my five this week had to do with rap. So this is a, a perfect Excellent. segue. Um, we call it segue. So we have on one end of the spectrum, the Wu-Tang Clan, Tupac, mm -hmm. great artists, cre creatives. 
on the other side of the spectrum, we have people like Iggy Azalea, who, um, Ben, do you know who Iggy Azalea is? Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> kind of roughly. I know of her. <laughs> of her. Okay. So Iggy Azalea is um, a uh, Australian okay. white female who is a rapper or a hip hop artist. And all right, I know the song. I know you a know song. a song. All right. What's very funny about Iggy Azalea is when she raps, like she is doing a hardcore impression of basically like she grew up in Brooklyn. I mean, it is freaking hilarious to watch her rap. And she has a brand new song out, which I don't know the name of. I just saw the video briefly and I just kind of rolled my eyes because I was just like, ugh, like this is this is terrible. And um in watching She did um she did fancy? Yes. I'm I'm so fancy. Okay. That that song. All right. I know. There you go. Whew. Yeah. I had to drag that drag that out of the back <laughs> of the brain. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Put it back. Put it back there. Um, okay. All right, fine. All it's right. just it, it you know we talked we joked about Limp Biscuit killing rock and roll. Um <laughs> She's trying her best to kill rap. She's trying her best. Like she's like, look, Rap is actually making a pretty good comeback. There's like Kendrick Lamar. Oh, yeah, Kendrick. And Logic. And and Logic and Future and Chance the Rapper. I got to put an end to this. Like, (laughs) I got to bring it back. (laughs) Yeah, this is way too good, guys. (laughs) This is way too good. I got to be the vanilla ice of my generation. Like, that's that's my calling as Iggy Azalea. Wow, hot take. Is that a hot Hot take? I don't know. Like, what's funny is like, it's a. I think it's a popular take. (laughs) Like, it's it's borderline. I I I know. Like with music, it's different. But like, you know, we talk about like a lot of people out there talk about you know cultural appropriation and where you know some people you know idolize black culture or Asian culture so much that they try to become you know Asian or something like that. Right. Um, Right. Right. You could the, Iggy Azalea walks that line very well, and um, okay. it just it maybe it just maybe really angry, and it's just a very kind of interesting weekend where you watch Wu Tang Clan's documentary, and then you see Iggy Azalea's new album, and you're like, holy shit, this is the same genre of music. How is this the same genre of music? Oh. Um, and I have to ask you, Ben, when it comes to certain music, yes, does I, I know that we've talked about this before, but. Is there a type of music that really just should stay in one region? I guess you could say, like, like Australians. No offense, don't touch this. Like, this is not you. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, we we had a a couple episodes ago. We talked about didn't, didn't you talk about K-pop? Mm. And we talked about rap from like Asia, and we and I think um, Bangkok and and Thailand and all those things. And sometimes it works. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's I don't know. I love like like Spanish rap and oh, like you yeah. don't understand any of the lyrics and I don't know, it just sounds cool and hardcore. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's mm-hmm. something about that, but it I feel like with me, rap yeah, you have to ahead. walk the walk. Does that make sense? Like it, it you can't kind of you can't you can't grow up in like an upper middle class white suburban neighborhood going to prep school and then get into rap and talk about like the hard life on the streets. Like it right. just it depends like, on what you're rapping about. Right. That's it, true, it, yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just I, I, just, I got what you're saying. Yeah, like there's a lot of good rap out there. It's like all the people we mentioned. I mean, I'm a huge Kendrick Lamar fan, like huge, like huge. really, really big. And you know, just because I really get into poetry and creative writing, and to me, that is all poetry. What he does is poetry, and the way he rhymes in songs is just 
insane and his cadence and everything makes sense. And like, I've actually studied lines of him in class and just insane, like the amount of time he puts into his words. And it sucks when there's someone like that working really hard, you know, paying attention to how he creates and how he puts everything into a theme. And then you have someone kind of, I don't know, co-opting that (laughs) type of art form. It reminds me of one of the greatest um, Mr. Show sketches of all time, three times one minus one. (laughs) And they have the interview (laughs) on uh, the white people co-opting black culture network or something like that. Yep. Yep. I know exactly what you're (laughs) talking about. It's one of the best. I mean, that sketch still rings true to this day. (laughs) It still rings true. Please check that out on YouTube. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Three times one minus one, but I love it. All right, sir. What else you got? Uh, the next story I want to talk about is about the show Barry. Chris, are you watching Barry? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, uh, really good this season. Um, really doing great things with their second season. You know, trying up loose ends from the first, but introducing not too much. I think they're just on a roll. Um, I haven't been watching it after Game of Thrones because that'd be quite intense. Uh, <laughs> there was one episode in particular. I don't know if you've seen this episode, but it was the fight this season. I have not seen it yet. Okay. You would know what I'm talking about. There's okay. right. there's one episode that is almost all one fight. You know how the show Barry flips between like, you know, Barry and his girlfriend or Barry and Fuchs and, you know, him and the Chech- Chechenian gang and stuff like that. Yep. Yep. Um, this one episode takes place pretty much all in one house, all in one location. And they really kind of broke the mold of the show. You know what I mean? Nice. Did some atlanta style stuff you know the show atlanta is not scared to do like crazy things like that you know mm-hmm. what i mean like where it's like you have episodic oh we'll check in with barry we'll check in with this this episode stuck out and it was great it was so great it was just such an achievement uh they won all those emmys last year and they're they're gunning for some more i just think that bill Hader, you know when he left saturday night live and i think he did a couple commercials and a couple independent films I think a lot of people were asking, you know, why is he doing this thing? And uh, I don't know. He's kind of proven everyone wrong because this is the perfect role for him. You need that comedy, but he plays it straight. It, it, it's anyone else would totally mess this role up. And right. I think he's just nailing it. I, I think he's just nailing that deadpan kind of comedy. It's great. Well, when it, when they first started showing the trailers for what the show is all about, um, I was like, what? What is this? Like, how is this going to work? And mm-hmm. like this, by the second episode I was in, I was like, okay, I get right. it. Like, let's go. And, um, you, what a cast on that show. I mean, Henry Winkler is doing career best work. I mean, we all know him as the Fonz, but let's be honest. I mean, he's reaching different levels with this performance and this thing. And, um, I don't know the name of the actor, but the guy who plays one of the Chechens who's got no eyebrows, the shape, the ball. Oh head, my God. He is great. Freaking hilarious. Freaking <laughs> hilarious. That guy. Um, and he's been in a couple different things that I've seen him in. And, um, this is clearly his best work, but yeah, no, oh, yeah. I love, I love that show. It's fantastic. I was actually thinking that while I was watching, um, this last week's episode is just how great Henry Winkler is. I mean, literally Henry Winkler. I mean, was the fonts you know what i mean Mm -hmm. he and he probably couldn't get any work you know steady work he was here and there you would see him in things but it was almost like you know meta things where he would just make fun of himself and right you know um make fun of the fonts and this role is so perfect for him and i could see someone else messing this role up too and when i was watching last week's episode you know no spoilers or anything like that but 
Stephen Root is on the show, who's great. He plays uh, Fuchs, the guy that is uh, Barry's handler, his hitman handler, his hitman agent or whatever. Fantastic. Um, and I think that he is my least favorite actor on the show. And don't get me wrong. One of my favorite actors of like oh, yeah. all time. But that's how good this cast is. That's what I was sitting back and thinking when I was watching last week's episode. I go, everyone's like just shooting for the stars in this episode. And he... Of course, he does good work in everything. He was great in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs last year and just in everything. And Stephen Root was great. In. And I think his role is probably one of the weakest on the show. I don't know if they're going to develop it in a different way, but Henry Winkler, the the Chechenian dude and the um, and Barry is just just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Keep up the good work. Just, yeah. That's all I got to say is just that show is just innovative. And I think HBO is really trying to have those uh subscribers stick around after game of thrones is gone <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they're trying their damnedest <laughs> i mean after game of thrones leaves i mean also uh, you know yes last night uh being sunday uh, was the last episode of veep as well so veep mm-hmm. is done uh which you know held the belt for funniest show on television for at least a year or two and right. um you know now now hbo's got you got to find something else. You know, they have to get that, you know, keep those, those subscriptions, keep those viewerships. Um, I love the trailer for the Watchmen series. Yep. It looks phenomenal. Like Don Johnson coming back. Uh, yeah, it looks great. Like, you know, just, you know, market now folks, Don Johnson is making a comeback and it's going to be, it's going to be glorious. Well, I knew that when I saw Django, he was great in Django. Oh in that yeah. Part he had. yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, HBO's, I mean, they've got that reputation for, for can hardly miss. They just got to kind of find that next, the next big thing. And, um, you know, I think Barry is one of them. I think Barry's, you know, has a, you know, this, this just incredible cast, incredible writing team. You can just see the, the talent just eating this up the script, every single scene, uh, that they're in. So it's yeah, no phenomenal show. Great stuff. Great, Great, Great stuff. stuff. Ben, I don't know if you saw, um, did you see the trailer for it? Chapter two, it was released last week. Did you I see did. it yet? I did. I did. I did. I gotta tell you, I was terrified. <laughs> like it's a three minute trailer two of which is just a straight up scene from the movie and yep. i was on the edge of my seat like i i made the mistake of doing it in my basement with my headset on so like, oh stop know, it <laughs> like I was t- totally into it the woman who plays the old woman in that clip is uh her name is i think her name is um jenna jenna gregson i think her, her name is She's got like mm. over a hundred okay. credits on IMDb. She's ridiculous. Um, is terrifying in that scene. And it got me thinking like with horror films, especially, you know, when it comes to these trailers, you don't have to really, you know, give us like a full length trailer of just clips and things like that. Just show us a scene like that from the movie, you know, fade to black and show the title coming soon. And I'm in like, I, I, it's, it's weird to say that, but like, I'm like, why don't more trailers do that? You know? Yeah, totally true. Yeah. I I thought the same exact thing when I watched that, just, they didn't spoil anything. They didn't, you know, they showed a little clips of the movie here and there, like little flashes. Like I got to see Bill Hader in it, which I knew who I knew was in it. And they just showed the rest of the kids growing up and they showed a little flashbacks here and there, but I got it. You know what I mean? Show me a creepy mm-hmm. scene and I'm going to see that movie, especially a sequel. You know what I mean? We're kind of already in. And for the people that aren't in, just creep them out a little and you'll be watching it as well. I just think it would be such a brilliant thing to just to, like I said, just stop with the clips, stop with the highlights. Just give us one scene, scare the bejesus out of me. And, you know, we're there day one. And that's coming out in September and I'm going to be there day one. 
So hell yeah. Yeah. And on the other side of the spectrum, actually, and it was a good trailer. Um, it was for the lodge. Did you watch that one too? No, I haven't, but I've heard, I've heard the buzz about it. Right. And it's, it looks like a cool movie, cool concept, but just like you said, I think they kind of gave away a lot. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but quite a bit, uh, <laughs> and maybe they're just showing a dream sequence. Maybe they're just showing the beginning of the movie, but I watched that trailer. I kind of know what's going to happen. I kind of know almost everything. Like I can kind of map out the horror movie. Um, you know, maybe little twists in here that I don't know, but for the most, and it was really creepy. Don't get me wrong. The movie looks creepo, but now I wish I didn't see the trailer. Like mm-hmm. I kind of, mm-hmm. like I was saying, like, like a couple weeks ago, like I hate those trailers where like, okay, now I'm waiting for that part. Okay. Here comes that part. Oh yeah. See, like in the trailer, he died too. <laughs> like, a, and now I watch this whole movie just like that. That's why I stopped watching trailers for like end game or, you know, something I knew I was going to see is just because. Right. That that bugs me out so bad when I'm just like, oh, stop, stop, brain. I have to turn my brain off during the movie, and it's just so distracting. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. All right, so what else you got? Well, let's get into it. Let's get into it, Chris. Uh, did you All watch right. Game of Thrones last night? I did. I did. So I want to talk about this just right off the bat. Um, we have, I think I've talked about them before, the Rome Capital Cinema in Rome, New York. And it's one of the oldest theaters in almost all of central New York. Um, if not like America, like really old theater they've restored from like 19, I'm going to say the teens, like 1913 or something. Nice. Yeah, very old nice. theater. Um, and so the big theater has these great, you know, big projected movies. I saw the Goonies projected on uh, its original film stock. Oh, I saw, mm-hmm. yeah. And you could hear the reels change. I saw, um, I saw, I saw the thing. Oh, um, the best. I saw both versions of the thing the fifties version. And then I saw the uh, John Carpenter version projected there. Just awesomeness. They do cool things like that, but right next door to it, they have this independent cinema and the theaters maybe hold 30 to 40 people. They're pretty much hallways with screens in them, (laughs) which is awesome. And they've been having the season game of Thrones viewing parties. And you get to go and watch game of Thrones on the big screen for free. Get out of here for free for free and i got to go watch last night's episode on the big screen with a giant popcorn in my hand and a giant soda in my hand with a crowd of people that are all caught up it was kind of one of the greatest things i've ever seen in the cinema (laughs) like i'm sitting there watching this thing and i'm like how come this can't win oscars Mm. that that is more enthralling the writing the acting the directing the the whole arc of everything last night there wasn't, there was maybe 30 people behind me in two theaters. They showed it that the other place was packed too. Cause I saw that one come out and there, you could hear a pin drop when that dragon lit up in hell fury. Oh my God. No one said a thing. Mm-hmm. And just, you could hear the rumble of the dragon's fire going through that city. And you were just, I, everyone was speechless, just speechless. Amazing. That's the way to do it. That's the way you got to watch these. Things. <laughs> it was great. Ugh. And so like le- next so week jealous. is the last episode. And so it's the last time you can go see this. And I just hope, you know, and and I was thinking of this, you know, just to kind of, and then we'll get into game of Thrones, of course, but the, um, <laughs> that's the kind of thing you get with non corporate movie theaters, you know, non chain theaters. You think like a regal cinema is going to let you in for free and stuff like that. And I get why Rome capital is doing that for free because it's probably illegal to charge people mm-hmm. for something that's on hbo but they just said screw it we'll just show it for free 
And then they're making money off of our popcorn and soda, of course. So it totally makes sense. It's a win-win for them. And oh, yeah. then they totally kept tally of how many people came. You know, they just printed off a free ticket and it was like, here you go. I was like, sweet. And it was kind of the greatest experience I've ever had last night. And so big ups to Rome Capital. Big ups. I mean, there's just something about seeing these movies in a movie theater with the sound, with the projector, with an audience. Um, you remember, you know, Cinema 1234 in New Haven, right? That really of course, old, yeah. yeah. So yep. right right before it kind of went through its you know major changes, they started do, kind of doing the same thing where they would take a lot of these movies from the 80s and 90s and even before then and just kind of rescreen them for like, you know, three bucks. You could go and see a film. And um, I think this was like a maybe a year or two after I graduated college, they they were doing Alien. Oh, cool. And I was like, all right, I got to see this. I got to see what this looks like. I've seen that movie f- at least 50 times. Right. I've never been more terrified watching that movie than, than I was in that theater. <laughs> it was an incredible experience, which again, just speaks to the power of cinema um, and, and just, just being in that atmosphere. So I, I totally get it, man. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's and incredible. it's kind of, it's kind of cool that movies do things like that, especially a place around here. So when I start introducing the kiddo to these movies again, it's going to be great to, to actually take them to the theaters to, to see movies. I never got to see on the, on the screen to go to like events like that. So I can't wait. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about game of Thrones. what do you think? I thought, Okay, well, first of all, okay, so can we put up the spoiler thing? I kind of spoiled a little. Let's bit. put up the spoiler. Yeah, absolutely. Um, stop, stop listening now if you haven't seen Game of Thrones. Please. Um, so the the funny thing about last night is, so I saw it with my friend Bobby, and and a couple other people, and I lean into him. He's like, "Any predict- any predictions for tonight?" I go, "I got a prediction. Hot take. Ready? I totally think Jon Snow and Danny are going to die tonight." That's a hot take. And then fucking the episode happens. And then I'm like, hey, did I say they're going to die? I meant everyone else is going to die. <laughs> um, so do you think, okay, here's my question to you, Chris. Do you think what we saw last night was built up properly? Do you think it was justified? That's a good question. I'm, I'm torn like half of me says absolutely. Like we saw, we all saw this coming. Like we've heard about the Targaryens and and you know their reputation and and when it comes to violence and vengeance and you know we definitely saw that and we've seen it in the past. But um, at the same time, it did feel like, uh, like oh don't do it. Like no, like right. I, you know it's like I and I knew like the second that she's lit that place up. Um, I had a feeling of where we were going to go from here. And I was like, Ugh, damn it. But um, I mean, but is that you watching as a viewer? Like, is that's a true reaction, right? I yeah. mean, is that, I mean, that's you being conflicted and feeling that. I mean, here's one of our heroes quote, you know what I mean? You've been rooting for her for mm-hmm. season end of season one or something like that. Yep. And she kind of betrayed your trust. She betrayed all of us. So, I mean, is that, was I, I'm, yeah, I know. <laughs> We're doing the show on Monday. <laughs> this is what happens. Um, like, am, am I like sitting back critically thinking, am I disappointed critically or am I disappointed because I'm so invested in the character? And I don't know. Yeah, that, uh, that's a that's a really good – well, I think I think that shows that you care. I think that shows that oh, you're engaged and invested. And um, that's been kind of the reaction I've been reading online from a lot of people is that we kind of could see this as – like especially at the end of last week's episode when they chopped, you know, they, they axed, uh, Miss Andre, Miss Andre, right. uh, the way they did, I was like, Ooh, 
<laughs> like that's that's setting up for something huge and right. it, it it did not disappoint um yeah no it's it's going to be a really polarizing finale i think and i don't know how you tie all these things up in an hour and a half i i just don't um right well and, and the buzz around work and stuff was th- not that they're going to leave it totally open but they're going to leave you know they're kind of building us to have all of the families still alive with heirs you know what i mean mm-hmm. with heirs that are running around all of westeros like kind of <clears throat> starting where we kind of leaving off where we kind of began you know what i mean and last night there was a couple of feelings i had and it were really good feelings like when when john snow was just watching hell around him you know what i mean trying to call his troops back and you know gray worm is not listening to him and um you know everyone's dying and his his lover is burning everyone to death and just a lot of conflicting feelings it brought me back to uh ned stark when he had the stark kids out and just talking about the hell of war mm. and i believe it was catherine stark and just asking him how come you could you could still be friends with robert baratheon you know he's from this house that's betrayed your house and done all these things and uh, and i might be just super paraphrasing or making this up even i haven't watched season one in a long time but he, remember ned stark had such an allegiance to robert baratheon even though she mar- he married a Lannister, even though he did some goofy things, even though he didn't like the way he ran his kingdom, he still agreed to be his hand mm-hmm. because they went through war together. And that camaraderie like never can be broken. And it totally just kind of reminded me of that moment that, you know, he, he said to him, like, until you kind of serve in a war, you'll never know that bond with another soldier. Mm. And in that moment, I, I feel like Jon Snow finally figured out like what, how awful war is. If like, you know, the battle of the bastards and the fighting the dead off didn't like already prove it. Like he still was like, you know, this kind of soldier, like I'll fight for my queen, no matter what, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I love you as a queen, but you know, let's not kiss anymore. Let's not kiss anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, John just put out for like one more day and then we don't have, you know, <laughs> 1 million people dying. Um, but you know, that that's what that moment brought me to. That was one of like the best moments, like between John Stark and Arya, like almost being burnt alive by Danny herself. I mean, I I thought that was just such a great moment they built. That was a great moment in last yeah, night's episode. Definitely. Um, I also, I mean, I'm I'm conflicted about the end of Cersei and and Jaime. If if that was the end, I mean, who knows? Right. Um, right. You never know. You never know. But the way at least it was implied, um, it definitely was not the satisfying end that I wanted for Cersei. I was like hoping for something, you know, at the hands of somebody, so to speak. But I thought they could have made that a little more dramatic. I thought, yeah, you know, that like, you know, Danny flies in and actually talks and confronts her or something. They could have had that a little more dramatic. Mm-hmm. Like they got her alone or Arya kind of confronts her or they, they, and I get why Arya left. You know what I mean? And you were like, awesome. And I mean, they're building us up to I think they're building us up for Arya v. Danny right now. Um, but um, yeah, I thought that could have been a little more dramatic, even yeah. them just dying or like kept, you know, have Jamie run up to the tower and then they hold each other. And then I don't know, a giant dragon eats them both or something. <laughs> it was such like a non-dramatic way to die. And I, I get the symbolism that the throne is the thing that actually crushed them. They're underneath the throne. You know what I mean? I get mm-hmm. that they get, they were killed by the thing that they fought for all this year. I, I get the irony. I get it. I get it. But even that could have been more dramatic. Like it could have been a little cheesier, but actually have the throne 
fall through the ground and like actually crush them or so i don't know <laughs> like it's a symbol that is like part of the show and it really didn't play into anything like right. are we ever going to see that throne again or is it totally just melted in dragon fire i don't know i don't know i mean you know I, it was i got actually angry at the end of the episode because it made me start to kind of sympathize and empathize with Cersei in a way. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to think of her as this evil. <laughs> so I thought, I mean, I remember this quote from um, all the president's men where Jason Robards gets really angry. He's like, you know, you, you not only made him look bad, but you got people feeling sorry for him. And like, he got that angry. Right. I kind of felt the same way with this character. I was like, Oh, like in that moment, like I, I was almost kind of feeling for her. And I was like, I don't want to do that writers so i know yeah, <laughs> yeah and i i totally thought I, I know someone like that and you know that guy who is just a slime ball her her hand that's been in the the um the uh king's landing oh, for all yeah this what's time. his name uh, gripe griper I, I don't know gripe griper yeah griper? I don't he's, know. Just, he's yeah. just been such a great slime ball and that actor is just owning it like if you're gonna be a slime ball just totally own it that guy like just came Plus, out he had and, quite uh, the exit too by the way that was great yes he did that was a great exit now that's a dramatic <laughs> exit do you have like you have i think maybe that's it you have this i mean the hound versus the mountain fight dramatic great did not disappoint you have his exits great dramatic didn't disappoint you have you have all these great exits like happening all around us, like these dramatic things. And then, uh, you know, let's just stay here and die together. It kind of was a doubt. Maybe they're not dead. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe not. I mean, with, with game of Thrones, I need to see a body like that's like, you know, if if I never see a body, then there's always something, you know, open-ended about it. So, um, that's why with, um, where was it? Um, when, uh, Greyjoy and, oh, and, and Jamie and Jamie were having oh, that, that guy's fight. still alive. Definitely. That guy's still oh, alive. Yeah. Like he's still oh, alive. Yeah. Like I didn't see a final breath. No, I, he's I, laughing. He's good. Like, that guy's good. He ain't dying. He's good. That guy's the man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I need I love it. But I yeah, no, again, on a pike somewhere and just <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, but it was a great, it was a great episode. It was, I saw a lot of flash. I, I saw a lot of flack for last night's episode all over the internet too. And I didn't get that. Like I, 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 yeah, I felt like, like, here's the thing. All right. We, we sit on this podcast and we talk a lot of shit about, you know, um, last Jedi and <laughs> other star Wars movies, but it's because we give a shit. You know what I mean? Right. And we right. might question some choices in game of Thrones here and there, but th- we are living in an age once, you know, end game is gone. Once this next Spider-Man thing goes, we move through phase three. That's gone. And who knows if they're going to do good. I mean, they probably will with the next Marvel movies. But after next week, this is all gone, Chris. You know, Mm -hmm. a big chunk of what we talk about on this podcast is gone. And I don't know if we'll ever see this age again. I think people will look back on this year like, my God. And when none of this wins an Oscar... It's going to be silly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be an interesting where entertainment comes from, where the consumption of entertainment goes from here. It's going to be all different because of the MCU, because of game of Thrones, it's changed. It's going to change everything. I mean, you're already seeing um, game of Thrones uh, ripoffs, if you will, like a show like Vikings, for instance, or, you know, like outlander in a way, like they're trying to be kind of a game of Thrones esque show, but, you know, it's, it's not even close. So 
I'm really interested to see what happens. I think I think 10 years from now, people are going to laugh at people in 2019 and go, so yeah, that movie was pretty good, that best picture movie, but um, how come that Game of Thrones wasn't nominated? Everyone's still watching it. <laughs> and it's kind of the greatest acting of all time. And we and everyone references Jon Snow still 10 years after. And you know what I mean? I think we're it, it's such a cultural impact. And like I've said before, this is one of the last shows that we're all watching together. Yeah. I, I yep. don't think there's going to be another show like this that I think as the years progress, like 2020, 2021, there's going to be so many different streaming services. I mean, to get your MCU content, you're going to have to subscribe to this and subscribe to this. It's going to be hard for even you and me to be on the same page and mm -hmm. be, oh, did you see this? No. Did you see this? No. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's going to be so hard to like, match up and talk about things that you're viewing and content you're intaking. And, you know, that's that's such a shame because like, that's the one thing I talk about with people all the time. So. <laughs> I'm going to be like totally dumbfounded. Oh, it's going to be amazing. I mean, you know, it's, I, I've already heard that they're doing like multiple spinoffs of game of Thrones. I think that's a mistake. I think you just got to do like one spinoff at a time, so to speak. Like totally, you know, they've got the one prequel one that's coming out with Naomi Watts uh, in, as the lead. We don't know what character she's playing yet, but she's the lead. And, um, other than that, they they uh, also news broke that they axed one of the uh, spinoffs too. They're like, I heard no, that. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, this this idea is not so good. So, who knows what HBO is going to be doing? But this thing's a cash cow. So I would be very shocked to see like them not you know take full advantage of, advantage of this uh, as possible. So, oh, of course, I mean I get it. I mean. I think there's even a joke on Saturday Night Live. Oh, Opera Man made a joke about everyone cancels their subscription out <laughs> after Games of Thrones out. I hope not. Yeah. There's some good stuff coming out. I promise. <laughs> there really is. I mean, but it's hard to beat such a enthralling show that has such a great books. I read two of the books. They're they're fantastic. If anyone if anyone has just watched the movies and not read the books, and even this is coming from someone that doesn't really read at all. Um, they're really easy to get into. They're broken up into five, six page chapters and they start with the character you're uh, focused on. So one chapter will be Arya Stark and one chapter will be Cersei Lannister. And it's broken up like the show. And if you watch, if you read it on like a Kindle or something, you can actually click the name. It'll take you to Wikipedia and show you the actor's face that plays that character. Ooh, so you okay. can kind of keep track. It's really great. It's kind of nice. like the annotated Hobbit. It, it, it tells you like all about the character and where, Oh, she is part of this family and they're part of Dorn and they're part yeah. of this. It's pretty great. It makes me wonder, like, does HBO even need to, to have like movies anymore? Like, you know, other than their original films, like, you know, is there really even a need anymore? I'm like, yeah, like, okay, it's great to see like night school or, you know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> stuff like that. But I'm like, with the amount of like great content that HBO has, I'm like, why even, you know, is that even worth it anymore to even have those things on it? Like, did you, have you seen Chernobyl yet? No, not yet. I can't wait. Oh, it's phenomenal. One thing I want to talk about as far as HBO is uh, watching this last night. This was a take I wanted to say is watching a show that is even though it's second to last episode, you are watching a show kill a lot of main characters, heroes and bad guys mm. alike. And I think we owe a grit of gratitude to HBO itself. For pretty much, I, I'm going to point to the show Oz and the show Sopranos for introducing shows that are so bold and ballsy that kill off characters here and there. You don't know where these shows are going and keep you on the edge of your seat 
keep you in that and and next and next and you can't wait to see what they're going to do and i still think there's that that essence of those shows that at any time someone can die it doesn't matter if they're a a Mm do-gooder or they're the worst villain of all time they're going to die and last night this show is all about people dying like freaking ned stark whether it be ned stark or whether it be you know uh, prince oberon uh, think of how many times you've been shocked or think of the red wedding. Think of how many times you've been shocked and how many times they've kind of subverted our expectations as far as like fairy tales. And, and then they lived happily ever after. It's like, Nope, no, they did not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. So uh, last night was just adding on to that fire. So I think they did great last night. It, that, that's just my take at the very end of the day. Like it, anyone that's like sitting there going, Oh, this show like is totally went off the rails. It's like, not really. I mean, they've they've totally been building us to this point. And when we all go back and rewatch the whole thing, I think there's a lot of clues in this show that bring us to last night's episode. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And you've already I've already read some articles that, that have said that, like, oh, that quote from season four, like and I'm just like, oh, OK, yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Right. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to kind of going back and revisiting uh, that journey probably next year. You know, as soon as this thing. Oh, hell yeah. So um, fantastic. Good stuff, my man. Well, um, I don't know if you heard, but the news broke today uh, in the film world that Disney is prepping a sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Ooh, I did read. I just saw an article just a second ago. Yeah. What's this all about? Yep. So the movie's just called Shrunk uh, because, you know, I guess they don't. They don't we don't have it. attention spans in 2020. <laughs> I guess like it's just too long of a. Or maybe you know, no one calls their wife honey anymore. I don't know. But um, <laughs> they're just calling it Shrunk. And okay. it's it's going to star Josh Gad okay. of um, Book of Mormon Book of and Mormon Frozen right. you know, fame and Pixels and all those stuff. So um, he's going to play the son of Rick Moranis' character in uh, the original films and as kind of taking up the family business of inventing stuff. And I guess he shrinks some things. That's all we know. This <laughs> is like it's Josh Gad. He's playing the son of of Rick Moranis's character, and the movie's called Shrunk. So let me ask you, Ben, is that enough to get you excited to go see this movie? No. Yeah. <laughs> Were you a fan of the original, like of the course, first one? Of course, and of the course. second one. I think we rented it like twice. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I just think it's it's, it's a movie that's like at least it's at least twenty five years old. Um, I don't know the exact oh, at date. Least. At least, oh, well, I, I, think I think the original is 80, 88 or something. Yeah, like that. I think the original like, is at yeah, least thirty years. Um, yeah, I just think that I think too much time's passed. I don't I, even this digital era. I'm not even. It's like Disney. I think he, there was a there was a time when you could have done this, and uh, I think we're we're too far past that. So yeah, I'm not I'm yeah. not excited about it. I know, and didn't we just talk about all these kind of advances in reverse CGI and technology? And you know, even though we've kind of had our takes on the Lion King and uh, the reboots of Lion King and the reboots of Dumbo and all these things, like Disney owns so much content that they could play with that they can have spinoffs of, and this is the one you're gonna <laughs> kind of pick. Yeah, you know what I mean. There's just I. 
there's an untapped universe where the Roger Rabbit world is waiting for us to really get mm, dark in. Yep. <laughs> that movie was already wicked dark to begin with. So get a cigar smoking baby. There's no way that I mean, flies in 2019. My parents took me to the, to the Meriden movie theater to go see that when I was a kid. And we were probably uh, at the same showing, dude. Probably I at was the same there. showing. <laughs> um, and I remember during the Jessica Rabbit scenes, my parents looking at me being like, what have we done? Like this, <laughs> we've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> yeah yeah um great movie though and you're but yeah, yeah you're movie. right i mean i just i, I don't understand the, the strategy here i don't understand like what is it about the honey i shrunk the the kids well that we have to dip back into like there's are there more stories to tell there like i don't <laughs> what have what are the answers we don't know <laughs> <laughs> what happened to auntie like do we need do we need to know like oh. <laughs> Oh, that scene's going to be so annoying. You know it's going to come out on, in the movie, too. <laughs> you know there's going to be an ant. I mean, oh, no, I heard about it. My father said, and there's going to be like a reverse CGI Rick Moranis because uh, they can't get him and stuff, and there'll be bad voice acting. I'll put it this way. If this is what gets us back Rick Moranis, like, okay. Like, if that, if... He ain't if, coming back for this, I dude. Uh, there's no way. He, he's been offered so many things. He's been offered like a billion dollars to come back for like multiple Ghostbuster sequels. And he was like, nope, don't want to do it. Not even to work with Bill Murray and Danik. Nope, not going to do it. And, you know, kudos to him, by the way. I mean, I yeah. feel I feel bad. Like the story was that his wife died. He wanted to stay home and, and raise his right. two sons. And, you know, obviously that's, you know, awesome of him. But, I mean, kudos to him for not jumping back in and, and doing stuff. And, you know, good Lord, like, he, like the crap that must have – been offered to him uh that he probably passed up on but um i, I was heard... thinking about this in uh sean connery too he's definitely yeah. gotten offers to be in uh skyfall and all these other you, you hear these kind of like well, more but... morpheus in the matrix he was offered right and yeah. you know what good for him good for him uh, it's just uh, yeah in the long run don't tarnish your brand bro you know what mm-hmm. i mean towards the end he was in some kind of bad movies so and like he got out, I think it didn't damage too much of the bond, you know, old school bond. You want to be remembered as like, you know, Connery, 1964, Dr. Right. No, you know what I mean? You want to be like, bam, freaking Connery. Not like <laughs> you only live twice Connery. You know what I mean? Ooh. I do love that movie though, by the way. Do you? <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> the video game scene is epic. I just let you know. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. All right, sir. What else you got? All right. I want to talk about. Uh, one thing that we haven't talked about in a little bit because we've been in mourning of this early season. I want to talk about the Red Sox, baby. Ooh. Red Sox a had a five in a row hitting uh, winning streak. They've won uh, three out of their last three series. They're, I think they're three games out of first place. And Raphael Devers uh, made history, makes Red Sox history the other day. He is only two Red Sox players since 1908 have recorded three plus hits in three straight games, all at, uh, at the age of 22 or younger. Raphael Devers and Xander Bogarts in 2014. Uh, Raphael Devers did in 2019. So the bats are coming t- back to life. I have Mitch Moreland on my fantasy team. Mitch he has a kind of um, not the best hitting uh, batting average, but he is hitting home runs like a beast. The boys are back in town. Chris, your thoughts. What do you got? What do you got? Well, here's the thing. Um, I feel a little conflicted right now about this, and I'll tell Ooh, you why. Okay. Whoa. I'm hot take. Ready? I'm thrilled to death that they're doing well. Honestly, I am. At the same time, I don't know if you saw, but Donald Trump is taking credit for it. 
and oh stop it no i didn't see this all right never mind can you just edit that out just edit all my positivity out (laughs) he put out a tweet he put out a tweet don't ruin the rest oh i was about to say something but he goes he goes uh, the Red Sox, since visiting the White House, the Red Sox are five and zero. So what can I say? You know, the White House is the winning house. There's something like must have like success must have rubbed off. I'm like, you leave my Red Sox out of this. <laughs> oh my god, no! I was like, I was like don't you dare, sir. Um, oh. So yeah, so I was like, <laughs> it took it took. I've never wanted the Red Sox to lose more <laughs> than I do right now. <laughs> just just quickly lose three in a row and then go back on. You know. Cut, oh. cut, catch fire again, please. Damn it. Because <laughs> I, I can't stand it. Um, I can't enjoy anything without without no. him. <laughs> no. <But. laughs> He's got to ruin everything. He's got to just touch every little thing. He'll be like, Ugh. next you'll know, he'll be like, yeah, Game of Thrones was great last night. I'll be like, oh, stop. Stop tweeting about Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, I mean, the Red Sox, the Red Sox winning right now has definitely pulled me out of the – the Boston Celtic doldrums in a way um, of just being like, Ugh, <laughs> yeah, that ended really unceremoniously. Um, and also, I mean, freaking Bruins, man, up two Oh Eastern yeah. conference finals. Like they could be going to Stanley cup. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy to think that like three out of the four uh, major sports teams in, in, in Boston could be headed to the, the championship series in one single calendar year, so to speak, which is nuts. Kind of um, awesome. Kind of kind awesome. We're awesome. definitely getting spoiled. I mean, just to hear people talk about the Celtics. I remember the Celtics not being good, you know, before the um, the three came in there with mm-hmm. KG and stuff like that. And they were really bad for a while right there. Oh, late ni- <laughs> like late the 90s aughts. Patino era oh. Celtics was bad. <laughs> yeah. And so like people would just and of course, the Red Sox hadn't won at that point either. You know what I mean? So that was a bad streak in Red Sox and Celtics history. We had Nomar and Nomar. Nomar. And, that was the Mo Vaughn era where we're like, Mo Vaughn. oh, he's, I definitely he's remember batting 230. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he's above the Mendoza line this year. Let's do it, Mo. Oh man. That was those were some dark times. Those are I remember right. there were there were times where I was I wouldn't say I was ashamed to be a Red Sox fan, but that was also when like the Yankees were starting to heat up and the Atlanta Braves were doing really well. It was just really tough, tough era to be a Sox fan. Um <laughs> but now it's like we're just spoiled, man. We are son, spoiled, but they're, they're doing great. The bats are waking up, and that's all I care about. Like, I went out to uh, Syracuse on Saturday, and I forget who was pitching. It was Erod, and he gave up four runs in the first. And I'm just so used to this Red Sox team losing. I turned the, the game off on the radio. And then I went into, like, a sports place maybe an hour later, and they're up 9-4. I was like, whoa, 9-4 <laughs> in, like, the fourth. <laughs> and I'm like, what just happened? And like, and, like, I don't know how they scored all the runs. I had to go back and research, but – I have to get back used to that these guys can hit and actually have some run support for your pitchers. So I don't know. I want this trend to kind of keep going. They have the day off tonight and they're going to be back tomorrow. And also I brought this up because my main man, Shoei Otani for the angels is back hitting again as a DH. Um, and he hit his home run tonight, his first home run of the season. He is hitting like crazy this year. He looks fabulous. Chris, you, you, you know, my man Shoei Otani, right? Of course. Of course. And he's not pitching this year, but he's hitting, and um, he looks great. Um, yeah, he's batting 200. He's got a couple RBIs, and he's only been hitting for like a week now, but his swing looks fabulous. He has one of the coolest-looking swings of all time. YouTube, uh, uh, Shoei Otani, um, his week last year when he hit three home runs in one week, and he pitched uh, three seven-inning games, the first player to do that since Babe Ruth in 1918 or something like that. So 
just I, I hope this kid just keeps going and next year he's back pitching and kicking ass. So Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, Heck baseball yeah. needs that shot in the arm and that's that's Shoei Otani. He's definitely that. I love it. I love it. All right. So for my uh number four, uh, I don't know if you saw this. It you know, it's a kind of a minor news story. Over the weekend, uh it was announced that Fresh Off the Boat, the ABC series with the all Asian cast, was renewed for a sixth season, which I was very happy about because huh. First of all, it's a it's a show with an all Asian cast, which you know rarely happens, um, let alone six seasons in. So I was like, woohoo! Um, one person that was not happy about it though was its lead star, Constance Wu, who was just in Crazy Rich Asians, like her okay, yeah. About the I was just gonna say, awesome. yeah. Yep. So the tweet, <laughs> so ABC put out this thing saying like you know, fresh off the boat's coming back, and within seconds, she tweets out, "Oh fucking hell." And Whoa. yeah, and then like, um, like moments later, someone's like, someone thought it had to do maybe with something else being like, Hey, whatever you're going through, I guess that sucks, but Hey, great news. Your show's coming back, isn't it? And then she replies to the person saying, no, it's not. And Whoa. yeah, everybody had exactly that reaction that you just had. Like, what does she mean by that? Like what WTF, like, and it, it the optics aren't great. I mean, she, no. she's just coming off a huge successful movie. She's got three movies like on it on their way. One with J Lo and all that stuff. It and now she's like griping about the fact that she has to do another season of TV. So, you know, like within like ten minutes, this thing's on like every news station. Like, oh my god! Like she is angry that she has to do another year of TV. And then like the walk back started. So the first walk back was, um, <laughs> that's even worse than the first. Uh, one. Yeah. It was oh. phenomenal. Like she did two separate walkbacks. The first was, Oh, I'm just angry about something else. It's not a rampage. It's not what you guys stop assuming things, blah, blah, blah. And then that didn't work. So like about a half an hour later, she's like, um, it was just ill timed on my part. I'm still really happy to be coming back. I love my fresh off the boat family. It's going to be great. And like, So I responded, she said, like, I, um, I'm thrilled to be returning to, fresh off the boat. And I, I quoted her and I replied to her on Twitter by saying like, are you really, are you though? Are you? Like, <laughs> people seem to get a kick out of that. But, and then finally, like about an hour and a half later, we got like the full statement. And apparently she had, um, there was an upcoming project that she really wanted to be a part of. And the scheduling it really was like, uh, it depended upon if she had to come back and do another season of fresh off the boat. And because of that, she had to give up that other project that she felt oh, would really stretch her as an right. actress and, you know, kind of take her career in a different pathway and things like that, which, you know what, if that was her first response, I get it. I'm, I'm like, right. you know what you you're, you've done five, you've done five or six years of television on this one show. You want to play different characters. We, we right. all get that, but got it. Start there. <laughs> if you're, you're going to be <laughs> yeah, that with about that, it. Oh, fucking hell or whatever. <laughs> like, and then don't do like two separate walkbacks. And uh, it, just, it was just really like it was if you watch the sequence of events, it's like a publicist's nightmare. <laughs> like come to life, oh, um, which is again a nightmare. Uh, like, folks, think before you, before you tweet. Take a breath. Take a breath. Yes, yeah, seriously. <laughs> and listen, Chris. OK, this might be a little harsh, but. We, we, I revere acting. I teach acting. I've acted in multiple things. Mm -hmm. But listen, 
if Deion Sanders can get on a plane from football practice to baseball practice, you can do two projects at the same oh, time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like we're you're working like manual labor in a factory and then you're going to go work graveyard shift at like the salt mines or something like <laughs> right. that. Like just go get paid twice. You know what I mean? If Michael J. Fox can do family ties and then back to the future during the day. Just do it up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, sorry. Am I being a little too harsh here? Like, does it really need a tweet? And then the walk, just do your job. You know just what do I your mean? job. Just, and not for nothing, right. you're getting paid pretty well. I mean, she's making 122 oh. grand per episode and there's a 23, oh, 23 episode season. Like she probably could demand more because of crazy rich agents, which was a really big movie. Right. You know what I mean? So, but what's funny and the plot thickens is where like in the hour and a half, you're going to love this in the hour and a half between a lot of people who had, either worked with her behind the scenes uh like crew from other films and projects had said like this is her this is the actual constance Wu, like entitled <laughs> spoiled pain in the ass to work with and half the cast of of crazy rich asians liked those tweets for like 20 minutes and then unliked them really quickly <laughs> So like, holy shit what a nightmare like if you want to talk i don't think this is going to have like long-term damage but at least in the short run, like talk about like just taking a, a match and gasoline and just throwing it on your career and your likability. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, before we go any further, a lot of people say the likability only applies to female actors. That's not true, by the way. I think likability is, you know, sees no gender uh, when it comes to Hollywood oh, entertainment. Yeah. yeah. I've seen, <clears throat> I've seen actors. Oh, absolutely. Too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, case in point, Mel Gibson. No, oh, there you go. <laughs> Whose next project, by the way, is he plays the head of a Jewish family. So that's going to go for. Oh that's no, gonna, it isn't. Stop. That's going to be an epic movie to see on that end. Uh, oh, we- I was hoping. You know, I heard another project of his, and I forget the synopsis. And I, I, I don't know what your fifth was. I don't know if you're taking us through an IMDb land, but I was. I don't know if you were going to do Mel Gibson and see his future projects and what movies we're not going to be seeing. I mean, I could. <laughs> um, why don't you break them off? What, what do we got? I'm so curious because, you know, there's been a couple of those like in like, the, you know, the, the marketing's like, yeah, this one's really good. Believe us. Really give him a shot again. Like, and it's like, no, not going to do it. I can't even go back and watch movies that I liked that he was in. <laughs> it's just thank God. Chris, how about this? Thank God Tom Hardy was in Fury Road because he was supposed to be he was supposed mm. to be in that movie. He was supposed to start shooting that freaking movie. Like Mel Gibson was no joke going to be Mad Max in talks for a long time and they just couldn't get it made for years because of the nature of that movie, but thank God they got Tom Hardy. Thank, thank God. God. Uh, well, I mean, I just pulled up Mel Gibson's uh, right. IMDb. Here so we here, go, this baby. Is, here we go. 2019. It's in post-production right now. This is my new favorite segment on the show. I think we might have to do this every week. We have to do this every week. Yeah. It's called Boss Level. Two words. Boss Level. Retired Special Forces officer is trapped in a never-ending time loop on the day of his death. So it's like Groundhog's Day meets, I guess, Looper or I don't know. Why is it called Boss Level? I don't – that's – is it like – it's he reached the level with the, the boss, like I or like I a boss, like like like, <laughs> like, like this the is the boss. This is the boss. Level. I don't. I also can't tell if it's a comedy or an action film because the cast is all over the place. Is he trying so, to cage it? Is he trying to cage it up? I mean, you better not. You better not step is, on any territories. If he gets on any Nicolas Cage script <laughs> and then he's in them instead of Nicolas, I'm gonna be super pissed. 
So like, here's this is the cast. Ready? So it's him, Naomi Watts, Michelle Yeoh, and Frank Grillo, who played Crossbones in. Oh, of course. Oh, the, the guy that doesn't age. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Frank Grillo. <laughs> Frank Grillo. So automatically, I'm thinking, okay, it's like a hardcore drama action film. But then also in it is Ken Jeong from the Hangover films and Will Sasso from Bad TV. So I don't, I don't know. Will Sasso? Don't... Are you kidding me? So there you go. There you go. All right. So that's that's his wow. first thing. Now his next movie after this, another two worder called War Pigs. War Pigs. A team okay. of ex special forces soldiers go undercover as drug dealers to avenge the murder of one of their own and to pull off an audacious heist. And it stars. Ah, just it's called one. it yeah. just stars Mel Gibson right now, but his character is called the pastor or the pastor, the pastor, the pastor. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, did both synopsis synopsi of those movies both include ex special forces <laughs> agent? Yes, it did. <laughs> Excellent. All right, let's go to the next oh, one. By the way, it's written. The, the guy who's directing it also wrote the dead snow movies. I don't know if you're on oh. board with the, yeah, the, 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 the Nazis and the, the Nazi. Yeah. So let's move on. Um, his next good. film after yeah. that, which is in pre-production is called Waldo. And it's about a disgraced ex-cop seeking okay. solace by moving into the woods. But his quiet life comes to an end when a private eye recruits him to investigate a murder. And it stars Mel Gibson, Isa Gonzalez, or Isa Gonzalez, and Charlie Hunnam from the Pacific Rim mm. movies. Okay, and Sons of Anarchy. All right, how come? How come, I don't understand, Chris. Okay, you know how we've talked about like people in controversies and you know gauging the level of controversy. I I feel like Mel Gibson's controversies were quite epic. You know what I mean? They were quite intense. Like they were racist, and then he just sounds like not. Like this guy is not my kind of guy. Like he just sounds like an intense dude that just like wails on people on their answering machines and stuff. Oh yeah. How, how come people like, especially up and coming actors, I was so confused about the, the beaver movie mm-hmm. with, by uh, Jodie Foster directed that. I, I don't understand why people keep working with him. I, I and it's it's not I like he's know, it's not like he's bringing anything special to the table either. Like if it was like a Robin Williams, so to speak, I could I could understand. Like okay, it's a special brand of humor or something like that. But with Mel Gibson, it's just like he's got that everyman quality of just like I don't know. Like there's nothing really significant about it. So yeah, you're right. It's weird. Uh, and and it's not like he's pulling box office at this point. No, you know I, mean, I mean his his next movie after this is called Force of Nature, not Forces of Nature, oh. the Sandra Bullock's oh, Pan African film. Oh, okay, this is the this is a prequel. Apparently, this is just the Force of Nature. Oh, okay. Um, but this is called is about a gang of thieves that plan a another heist movie. Fucking a, uh, a gang of thieves plan a heist during a hurricane, and encounter trouble when a cop tries to force everyone in the building to evacuate. What? Um, anyway, it starts, it starts him with Kate, Kate, Kate Bosworth. I, I don't know that, that reading that synopsis gave me a headache. Um, <laughs> wait, what? Sweet, so they're robbing the bank. And then the cop is like, Hey guys, I know you're going to steal this money, but we're all going to die because of this hurricane. So he tries. I, <laughs> so I like understand. the whole town is forced into the bank during a hurricane and a heist. Oh. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. So they're like, they're doing the hostage terrorist negotiation kind of thing or the hostage crisis thing. But then they're outside in the cop cars. They're like, oh shit, we got to get inside <laughs> because we're going to die out here anyway. That'd be cool. All right. I'm with you. Um, then he's doing a movie called Black Flies. Yeah. 
where uh, it's about a young paramedic who makes his way through his first year on the job in New York City. Kind of a, just a straight up, um, yeah, it stars Ty Sheridan, him with Ty Sheridan, the guy who from Ready Player One, the kid. Burn. Um, yeah, okay. Then he's doing a movie called Every Other Weekend, where it's about a father and son's trip to Paris, which forces the dad to come clean about his job with the CIA and when danger comes their way. And uh, it's just him. Like, that doesn't say any other cast. Like, and then he's doing. Oh, man. All right, Chris. These are flat. These are so flat. These are so. And then he's doing a movie called Rothschild, uh, where he plays the, the head of a Jewish family. Um, and uh, playing his bastard child who was disowned, but then trying to come back and get the money is Shia LaBeouf. So you've got Mel Gibson and Shia LaBeouf in the same movie together. Great. You know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like with Nicolas Cage, I get it. Like, okay, you need to have the cage in this for, for in, right. and his presence makes the movie sound amazing. With Mel Gibson, it's just like, meh, okay. Yeah, it why? Does. Like, why? <laughs> I don't know. Right. Like, like if you just said, like, all right, here's a synopsis of this this movie. It's called Tea Party. You're like, all right, Tea Party. What's it about? Um, this little girl has her friends over and they're sick. She, they're all six and they have a tea party. You'd be like, Oh, okay. Who's it starring? Nicholas cage. <laughs> and I'd be like, Whoa, it is. <laughs> oh my God. I got to see this movie. <laughs> I get it. I'm in, but I'm in Mel Gibson. I'm just like, eh, okay, whatever. Yeah. All right. You ready for my number five? Go for it. Yeah. Oh, Mel brought us down. Mel brought <laughs> like us down. he does all these movies. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I want to talk about a movie that's coming out. So everyone during this end game, Game of Thrones, yada, 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 period. Everyone except for HBO is totally steering clear. Like everyone's delayed their releases until like end of summer and beginning of fall. Like there's nothing coming out. But let me talk about one show I'm extremely excited about. Chris, I don't know if you're familiar with the show. I don't think I've talked about it yet. Is the show Mindhunter. On Netflix. Did Ooh. you watch that show? No, I did not. <gasps> it's uh, a couple of the episodes are directed by David Fincher. Almost I, or all of them, like almost a lot of them are. It has that flow, that mm-hmm. David Fincher seven flow. It's great. It's based on the actual, the guy that actually um, started the forensic um, psychology unit at the FBI. You know, the, the book that he wrote, like the real guy, is what um, Silence of the Lambs is based on. And it's them actually interviewing the real serial killers Ooh. at the time. It's a dramatic show. So it's not a documentary. It's one of the best shows on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Go watch it, Chris. You'll you'll thank me later. It's so great. It's not too late because it's not until August <laughs> that season <laughs> two is coming out. That show should definitely be out now. But everyone is smartly steering clear of, you know, end of Game of Thrones and um end game but chris i bring that up because it's a great show but uh, let me ask you this is there such a thing as sweeps week anymore you know there used to be sweeps week on networks and yeah i feel like scheduling i think that's totally out the window now well it used to be well Um, shows are ending earlier i don't know if you noticed this but like you know this week is like everybody's doing their season finales i'm like it's beginning of may like didn't these things go into like june sometimes um right yeah, totally. like yeah, like the whole May sweeps thing is is over. But I think that really has to do with how we're consuming entertainment now. 
I think with streaming networks and mm-hmm. the importance of having people watch these things live is just no longer as, you know, urgent as it used to be. So you don't need to pull out like, you know, remember like, I think it was like, like friends would do this. Um, Mad about you would do this where they'd be like special guest star, Brad Pitt for May sweeps and things like that. And right. then like 30 rock made fun of it by having like Matt Damon saying like, I'll see you back here for sweeps, you know, things like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> you, you saw a lot of that back then, but yeah, you don't really see that nowadays because again, I think the more importance is like, you know, okay, we can put this out there, but then let's track to see how many people are watching this on Hulu. Um, and that's really the more important thing. So, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah, we've talked about that, like how, you know, Saturday Night Live doesn't need to be viewed live anymore, you know, um, because they make just as much money as people viewing those YouTube clips or on their NBC or or Hulu, like streaming mm-hmm. devices. You have to ingest those commercials and and you know what advertisers might be happy because you have to watch the advertisement to get to the clip so it actually might be working out as far as getting advertising yeah. you know imagine nbc pitching uh i don't know a budweiser or something like that and just telling them hey this is better than cable because on cable you someone can dvr this fast forward the commercials now you have to sit there and watch your Budweiser ad before you get to the clip. So they might be happy in the long run. They might be making more money. They might be. I mean, I think where it still kind of exists, and this is going to sound weird, is is professional sports in a way where like on major holidays when you've got a lot of people watching sports at the same time, like you're going to have the big teams playing. Like you're not going to have – like you know, you're going to have – in football, you're going to have the Patriots on Thanksgiving Day. You're going to have the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. You know, you're not going to have, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thanksgiving Day and things like that. Same thing with baseball. I mean, you know, ESPN, Friday Night Baseball, things like that. Um, it's always going to be those primetime matchups. So you still, in at least that regard, you still see the that hunt for ratings, that urgency of, for ratings and things like that, where sweeps used to have that for networks, but, you know, no longer. So weird yeah true that that was my that was my number five watch nice. watch mine hunter watch mine hunter definitely get on that my boy jonathan groff stars that and stars in that mm. so i'll definitely have to get on that all right my number five ben this past sunday was mother's day yes yes kind of want to end it on a sweet note so to speak let's talk about our moms real quick let's oh. talk about let's let's pay oh. respect to the moms look at you you big I know, sweetie right? so you and i turned out pretty well i would say like we're <laughs> well-adjusted <laughs> human beings for the most part and I think a lot of credit goes to the people that raised us. So I wanted to ask you, my friend, what like, you know, life lessons or, or personality traits or anything that's unique about you that is a direct descendant because of your mom, so to speak. Like the reason I do this or feel this way or react to these things this way is because of her. Uh, you know, it would be really easy for me to kind of draw a line between my kind of creativeness and my mom's creativeness, just um, either from like learning that through observation or teaching or genetically is, is, is creativity <laughs> genetic. Uh, but now like she, my mom is an art teacher. So that it, it taught me how, how art is important in many ways. But then also, um, I don't know. It, I think that I learned a lot as far as, you know, um, sticking up for the things I believe in and um, the way I carry myself at work, I think I learned that a lot from my mother too. So that's that's definitely something I kind of kind of think Good about stuff. all the time. What about you, Chris? Uh, it would probably be my paranoia. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize you're going to break up the song "Mother" by Pink Floyd, but well, okay, go ahead. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, 
No, I mean, my mom has this amazing ability to go from like assuming the best to the worst, like like zero sixty in three seconds, you know, so to speak. So like, um, if I make if I turn left or if I do this, like it's going to lead to you know, things A, B, and C, and C could be really, really bad. And so like, <laughs> because of my mom, I'm now thinking five steps ahead in life, uh, so to speak. And that's, I think that's a good thing. It prepares me, you know, very, very few times am I surprised by things that have happened because I, I've prepared, you know, <laughs> because of, because of my mom's, you know, Italian paranoia uh, to be prepared for all scenarios, <laughs> making sure that everybody's fed so to speak. That's a big thing in my household. Like, like if you, if you came to my house, oh, there you go. first thing, there you go. Yeah, yeah. are you hungry? Do you want something to eat? No, I'm making this anyway. My answer would be yes. All the time. So yes, all the time, please <laughs> just make me something. And then you've got like a four course meal. So again, um, those are just some, some really awesome traits, but um, definitely want to pay respect to the moms because uh, they are incredible, incredible people that, uh, that raised us. That's there. right. So, big ups, big ups. There you go. There you go. So, Ben, with that said, let's go YouTube, my friend. Let's go YouTube, baby. I got so many this week. I can't right. wait. I've got uh, one. Folks, folks, this uh, segment, if you haven't heard our show yet, I don't know what you're doing here, but um, this segment <laughs> is about <laughs> um, the, the the greatest thing ever to uh, you know hit the internet is YouTube. And uh, me and my buddies get together and we go YouTube and we show off videos here and there. We um, stay up late and watch silly videos. And then also... I watch it before work while I'm getting ready too. So Chris, you got one for us? Go for it. I just have one. And this was actually a big one. And if you have the time, definitely check it out. Um, Wired. Uh, they're a magazine. They're a publication, but they also have a mm -hmm. YouTube channel. Um, they do this incredible program called Technique Critique. Have you seen this? No. It's phenomenal. So they, what they do is they get like specialists from different areas. So they get like a lawyer, they get like a, a surgeon resident, they get like a hacker that come in and they watch movie clips of people doing the same thing. And they, they actually tell you like what's realistic and what's not about that scene. It's phenomenal. So like they, they bring in this guy who's a hacker. And then they sit him down and they show him like clips from Mr. Robot and hackers and war games. And he's like, okay, that you, we can do because what they're referring to is this and things like that. So you're actually like, oh my God, like he actually, like, he actually says like war games is one of the most realistic hacking movies ever made. Um, oh, really? Which is like crazy. Yeah. So like, <laughs> um, and then the lawyer, like she does like, you know, all the trial scenes from like law and order and all these movies. And she's like, like the, she breaks down that scene from a few good men where it's like, a, you can't handle the truth. And she's like, by the way, they probably would have objected and you know, like things like that left and right. So it, it does ruin some of those scenes in a way, but also it makes it phenomenal because you actually hear um, how much you know research and stuff like that goes into some of these scenes and, and how often they actually get it right, which I think is pretty cool. So That's really cool about war games. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> it's just very funny. And like he starts watching hackers and he's like, this is preposterous. But <laughs> at the same time, they get some of this stuff right, which I think is pretty cool. So that's amazing. you get a chance. They're about – and what's even better is like they're like 20 to 30 minutes long. So – um, you know, they really do break it down. One guy does um, accents. So they like bringing all these movies that people are doing this outrageous accents and things like that. And he actually says like, who does the best, you know, Boston accent or Polish accent. Oh, wait, I've seen like that. that. I've seen that uh, guy. I've totally seen that video. Oh yeah. Good. Yeah. 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 Movie accent expert uh, breaks down like movie accents. I've seen that. Yes. Yep. That's it. That's so great. it's awesome. All right. You ready for mine, sir? Let's do it. I got a lot. I got a lot. I kind of went down this thread and actually went down it this morning into today. Nice. Um, do you know who uh, Charles Bukowski is? Why do I know that name? 
I know the name. He's a poet. So okay. he's, and I, I say that loosely. He's a poet from like the uh, 60s and 70s, beginning of the 80s, and then he died. Um, and he is this kind of larger than life kind of persona. Like he kind of embodies um, alcoholism and just <laughs> deprivation and writes upon things about um, depravity and uh, being poor and um, betting on horses and stuff. Nice. And some of his poems are quite vulgar and very out there. And I wouldn't say that they, a lot of the times they don't rhyme. They're just about stories about his life. Um, like a great influence on my creative writing. I, I would say like probably one of the most influence on what I do creatively. Um, I, when I say I write poetry, I don't really, I, I kind of write in the style of him. I write almost monologues. And so if there's any actors out there listening, which I think there are, um, he's a great source for some monologue material too. If you're ever looking for something that's a little out there, you know, you were just saying, Chris, that the one kid did the Gettysburg address. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Gettysburg address, not address. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Charles Bukowski, there's a couple of videos I want to talk about. There's one called Charles Bukowski's crappy life. It's not like necessarily a poem, but it's an interview with him. It's three minutes and 20 seconds. And someone animates him talking about how crappy his life is. That's great. And then there's this um, great video. It's season five, episode six. Um, and it's like a public access or not public access show, but um, what do you call it? A PBS kind of show where yep, it's uh, yep. Bukowski reads Bukowski. It's 28 minutes, 36 seconds. And it's actual video footage of him reading some poems and then walking around the streets of L.A. and talking to people, telling people he's a philosopher or a poet. <laughs> So cool. I was definitely down this thread. Uh, once you hear his stuff, you'll you'll probably be offended. You'll probably be out there. He could never exist in this day and age of ultra PC culture. But there's something very refreshing about his writing that's no holds barred. And it's not really out there to insult people. It's not really racist. It's just kind of talking about how, I don't know, it's people in his day and age, we're all we've all become wimps pretty much. You know what I mean? We've all become like these sensitive little children and you know um one poem in particular called the ice cream people is one of my favorite how he sobers up one week with his lady and they go get ice cream and just look at all the ice cream people and how lame they are <laughs> it's <laughs> one awesome. of my favorite poems of all time so uh definitely check out bukowski and then uh, and then i was down a thread chris so forgive me um i uh then stumble upon a great video of kurt vonnegut uh, talking Ooh. about the shape of stories. And that one is quite funny as well. So that one's 17 minutes. Um, it's on YouTube. And he talks about how it's something that I talk about a lot in creative writing is about the shape of stories. You know what I mean? How we have the kind of generic shape of stories, how, you know, your hero starts at a high, goes down into a downfall and then comes out on top. You know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. the hero story. That's, you know, Jesus, that's Gilgamesh. That's, you know, the hero's journey. And, but then he talks about subtle journeys, you know what I mean? Subtle journeys in story form. And he, you know, of course wrote Slaughterhouse five, a, a story that's all over the place and kind of out there. So it was someone that is not scared to play with story form. And it's a great speech. It's in front of an audience. And uh, so check those things out. If you're into creative writing or poetry, definitely check those out. Definitely. Awesome. Awesome. Anything else? that's what i had baby all right all right i didn't know if you had more that's awesome that's very cool 
Yeah, no, I, I don't really. I should get more into poetry than I than I have. I really you'll should. dig you'll dig this guy. Check him out. Get a get like a book of him, or you know what's great about the internet is you can just search him and all his stuff comes up. You know, if you check out Charles Bukowski's most famous poems, the top ten of them are like some of my favorites. And um, awesome. Sometimes, like me and uh, my buddies get together and, and do readings, or we go to readings out at the uh, open mics, and those are those are great and. All the Bukowski stuff go over like gangbusters because it's full of stuff that is you're not supposed to say anymore. You know what I mean? Mm, like it's definitely yeah. like, oh, it's it's too sexual and someone might get offended. But you know what? It's still him speaking his mind. It's still kind of art to me. So it, it's not for shock value, especially anymore, because you can write anything on a piece of paper. You can swear you can say anything you want. And there's something that's so freeing about the way he thinks and just do it. I don't know. Just get out there and do it. Just write anything. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for us this week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment. Um, this is a good one. I'm glad yeah, we broke it down and it's less than two hours, which is even better. Uh, for <laughs> well, Chris, well, Chris, I have something to plug this week, actually. Whoa. Okay. Go hit me. Yeah. Um, my uh, buddies, um, Rick and uh, Jeremiah, they came out with their new album. So I have a couple of musician friends in the area up here in central New York, and these guys are great. They're called the Bipolar Rodeo. Great name. <laughs> nice. Um, and they came out with a uh, an album, and they've been working on this thing for years. And I'm going to say it's – I don't want to put a genre on it, but it's it's a lot of different instruments, a lot of different work. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to be featured on a couple of tracks. Just – it was awesome. They let me play harp on one and um, sing background on, on little parts here and there, but – it's more importantly of all the hard work that uh, Rick put into this thing. It's called uh, super fantastic, awkward songs. That's the name of the album. That's awesome. Bipolar rodeo. It just great content. Great, great songwriting. Uh, there's just such great thinking and great ideas in these songs. And he is one that isn't scared of offending anyone with his words either. So it's very freeing music. And if you can check them out, you can definitely check them out on Facebook. You can check them out on reverb nation. Check these guys out. They're great. So Bipolar Rodeo. Bipolar Rodeo. Great title, yeah. by the way. Great, great title of a band. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'll send I'll send you the I'll send you the link to the album, Chris. You'll please you'll do. these guys. They're That's good awesome. Stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I got nothing to plug. Uh, yeah, nothing. <laughs> my my friends are not really as creative as yours. So um oh. Yeah. Well, wait till you hear these guys. Then you can judge. <laughs> I, can't wait. I can't wait. Well, folks, this podcast can be heard on uh, the OnSage blog network with all of our podcasts, but we've got new content coming pretty much every single day, which has been awesome. Uh, brand new podcasts are coming out left and right. We've got one all about dance and dance history, which I'm looking forward to. Theater history as well. So that'll hopefully help some current theater history students, uh, giving basically giving resources that I wish I had. As I was going through oh my God. these things. I so. wish I had that. Oh my God. I wish I had that. I was sitting at Denny's the night before till like four in the morning. Like, oh my God, I'm going to fail my life. That would have helped me out. That would have helped me out. Um, and yeah, you know, just like I said, just keep keep a lookout because um, like I said, we're going to be trying to bring new content uh, every single day on this thing. So really looking forward to it. Well, Ben, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris, man. We'll see you next week, baby. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.